0: Amen. Smarter presented by Calabrio, where we discuss contact center industry trends and best practices, as well as sharing success stories and pain points with some of the most innovative professionals in the industry. We're glad you're joining us to learn and grow together in order to provide world-class customer service to each and every one of our clients. My name is Dave Hoekstra, product evangelist for Calabrio, and my guest today is Michelle Bunch. She is a licensed clinical social worker out of Denver, Colorado, but she is also the host of Enthusiasm Diaries, her own podcast, where she talks about... The passions interests missions and joys that inspire us in life Michelle welcome to the podcast
1: thanks Dave I'm happy to be here
0: and we are so happy to have you so uh, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, the 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 reason we're here, right? One of the, one of the things that we've been talking a lot over the pandemic. Um, and I, again, I don't know how much you know about how the inner workings of a call center work. Uh, but one of the things we've talked a lot about is kind of the stress that the pandemic has put on a lot of our, not just agents, but employees and, you know, management and things like that. And, what we really want to focus a lot on today is kind of how mental health issues can affect that, and I know that in your career you've kind of dealt with a lot of those things from time to time. Is that is that true?
1: Well, sure, yeah, and I think probably we all can say. I mean, of course, we all deal with stress in our daily lives.
0: Yeah, and so one of the biggest things, and just trying to give some context to you and 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 perhaps our listeners here, um, you know, taking. Taking customer interactions in a context center can be a a really difficult job sometimes. You know you're asked yeah. to kind of answer the same questions over and over. Uh, it can be sometimes boring. it can c- sometimes it can be very exciting. But one thing that uh, is kind of the uh, the x factor that always gets thrown into the case is uh, the, the stress of handling customer interactions, especially difficult customer interactions, right? We've, we've all heard of the Karens out in the world and <laughs> those type of things, yeah. but the, the, uh, those, those, uh, bad calls, those aggressive calls that come through and how they can legitimately affect you, not just at a, uh, not, not just at a, uh, an emotional level, but almost at a cellular level and how those things um, work. So, you know, one of the things I kind of wanted to talk to you about is that, That response that happens, right? What, so what is, when, when a, when a human being encounters a stressful situation like an aggressive caller or something Mm -hmm. like that, what actually happens, uh, to the body and, and, you know, what, what are the, the things with, that we potentially could look for?
1: Yeah, I love that, and I love that you're already kind of thinking about that. It impacts the body, and um, I mean, I I've never worked in a call center, full disclosure, but I've certainly. It's okay. Had times one of the lucky where, and i lucky ones, and I feel like I'm a pretty level-headed, calm person. But but sometimes, you know, making calls for whatever the issue is, trying to get something resolved, not getting the answer, I think it can be just a frustrating situation overall. And I'm picturing what that's like for somebody taking calls. I don't know how long the shifts are—eight hours, ten hours, twelve hours. It just—it sounds like it's it could really take a toll, and you could you could feel a stress, um, stressful feeling throughout a lot of that. And so, um, you know, one thing I'm working on for myself is being more aware of this. I work with this, talk with people about this in my daily work. Is just noticing and being aware of what happens to your point at a cellular cellular level with our nervous system, and I think that gosh, I think this is like, this should be education for everybody, because this is this is how our body responds. And it's something that's been with us from back, you know, throughout our evolution. And so um, I think just being able to kind of take a step back, know what's happening when a stress comes in, and I'll kind of walk you through that. But it's just also a way to kind of depersonalize it, right? It's, it, it's looking at it, like, wow, it's not, something I'm consciously choosing. I'm not choosing to feel angry or stressed out or like on the edge. It's, it's, it's something that is happening with my biology. And so I think also just viewing it from this perspective kind of may let us all have a little more self-compassion for when we're feeling triggered or stressed or on the edge or fill in the blank. Right. And so, um, you know, just kind of walking you through it. Um, we probably all kind of know that feeling of calm, or or maybe we want to feel that more in our day, right? Feeling that calm state. Maybe we feel it on vacation when you can breathe a little, a little easier. Um, but but actually, I think a lot of us are spending a lot of time during our day in like a stress response. That fight or flight is probably a way to explain that. We, we kind of hear that, I think, more and more, that fight or flight response. Um, and then there's also a freeze response. And so I'll kind of walk you through all that. But um, the way our our body was intended to deal with stress was, um, I mean, I think the perfect example is, you know, maybe a caveman seeing a saber-toothed tiger. And it would make sense that our body would want to get into this mobilized state, um, feeling more energized and ready to respond to that stressor. We're gonna respond and take action. So again, that would make sense. We're gonna fight against the saber-toothed tiger or we're gonna run. And and our body is well equipped for that. We're in those moments, our body does just what you think it should do to respond, right? Our the blood starts pumping um, to our heart. Our breath gets shallow, preparing us for action. Our digestion su- shuts down because you're not worried about digesting food if you got to run. Um, all these things, all these things happen to prepare us, and so um, it's a it's a good thing. I mean, our body's doing that. But I think where the problem, if you can call it a problem, but where we sit now in our um, more modern world is that we're kicking into that fight or flight, um, stress response so much more than we were really intended to do. I mean, if that, that example of the saber tooth tiger, maybe that would happen (laughs) once a day at the most, maybe it would happen once a week. Right. But now I think a lot of us, I mean, I I know for me, I'm, I'm, again, I'm trying to be more aware of it in myself, but I can, I think I can click into that if I get an email about something I need to do or forgot to do or a click on my phone. Right. And so, um, it, it, we're in I think
0: the- I think of the, the a caveman coming home from the hunt, and the the wife says, "How was day?" and he says, Krog seed tiger seven times." Yeah, you know, it's like at the end of the day, the the you know he he needs to go to bed, right? He needs to right. go to sleep because I, I I think um you know one of the things that uh that that happens is the adrenaline rush. Um, can you maybe talk a little bit about? Um, i don't I don't know if we all as human beings understand adrenaline. We understand what that feeling feels like when it hits us, but what happens at the body when that rush is over right, uh, right. you know how what, what that's the stress response that we are kind of focusing on is what what truly happens when the body kind of gets rid of that adrenaline and then finally you know what happens at that point?
1: Right, right. So I, I think you bring up a really good thing, right? This stress response is it's a cycle, right? The way it's intended to be is that our body recognizes a stress and kicks into this mobilized state, this fight or flight, this stress response, and it's going to respond, we're going to do something. And ideally, let's say we then this tiger example, we then run away from the tiger, and then we come home. And to your point, how was day and you kind of tell, say what happens, you can kind of shake it off, right? And and return back to that calm state. That's sort of how we're intended to be. But I think it can take a little time and take some um, intentionality to to do that. And, and I think now in this modern world, we're often going from stress to stress and not really finding our way back to that calm state. There's also times where we can be in that spider flight state for so long. I mean, using this same example, let's say we were we thought we'd outrun the tiger and we're outrunning to the point of sheer exhaustion where we can't do it anymore. And in that case, we can move into that other state, the freeze state. That's like where we're we're collapsed, we're out of energy. And that in this example, it might be we want to pretend we're, we're dead out of survival. I and mean, you, you see that more in, in not so much exactly that in modern day, but I mean, you can, people that are under stress for a prolonged period without a reprieve, I mean, you see this feeling of maybe feeling frozen or numb, depression, feeling like you're here, but not really here. And so- when we're not able to complete that stress um, cycle and get returned to our calm state, return to the place where we feel like we can breathe more easily, um, we can actually go into that freeze state. And it's harder when we're in that freeze state to get ourselves back to a calm place. And so um, trying to kind of bring it back to the call center example, um and and you, I've not, like I said, I've not worked in the call center, but just to help me understand, Dave, is is it calls coming in? Like, is it you hang up and then another call comes right back? Like, I mean, call after call? Generally, is that kind generally of, okay. yes. Uh,
0: I mean, I would say, you know, if you looked at the cross section of most contact centers out there, most agents take 30 to 80 calls a day um, give mm-hmm. or take. And that's yeah. usually five days a week, seven and a half hours a day. And they don't often have a lot of option to, um, to choose on their own when and where those breaks come from. And so, and, and this is one of the reasons why I think this is such an important message for our audience. Help, you know, our audience being probably management within a contact center is, um, you know, imagine being the person who works at a retail store who handles customer complaints Mm -hmm. and all day long, all you do is sit at the window and someone complains to you. And then the second that one is over, someone else complains to you. Then the second that one's over, someone complains to you. And then somebody really aggressive comes through and complains to you. Then the next, so after that's done, and you've had that fight or flight response where, oh my gosh, I, I wanted to punch this person through the glass, right? I could right. reach out and strangle them, and you are just amped up. And you sit there and you say, Okay, I just need a minute. Give me, okay. And you're mm-hmm. sitting there and you're calm and you're breathing. And then your manager comes, Why aren't you handling the next complaint? That's what wow. happens in a lot of contact centers. And I think the point you're trying to make is that if we don't allow our our employees the time to return to that calm state, that we eventually get to the free state. So it's mm-hmm. a cumulative effect over time. Exactly. Um, I would say to you, what, what would be a good estimate of time? And I know it varies heavily for per, person to person, but returning to that calm state, is it a 30 seconds? Is it a five minutes? Is it a... 24 hours what 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 typically do you think uh, the the human body needs to kind of be able to reset
1: yeah i mean i think that's a perfect question and i think there's kind of two parts of it one i think that Just like anything with practice, the better able uh, we are able to identify for ourselves when we're getting into that fight or flight, the quicker we're able to bring ourselves back down. And so I guess one thing I'd like to talk about is how can we notice those triggers? How can we notice for ourselves when we start to get into that place? Because... I think if we're able to more quickly notice, we're more able to quickly bring us back. And so we can talk about that. But also, I think there's a lot we can do. And and I wanted to talk about some things that are realistic um, in that work environment and what can be done even in one minute um, between calls or between interactions that are triggering to get people back to feeling in that calm state. Because it's only in that calm state for all of us that we're able to to communicate most effectively that we're able to connect. And I know when I've been on the other end of it, when I'm calling in, I want to talk to someone who feels like they're able to communicate clearly and they're able to, to empathize with me. I mean, we can't do that. No one can. It's not, it's not, this isn't a criticism, but we're just biologically not able to do that if we're not in our calm state. And so, um, Were you gonna say something? Yeah, there? I was gonna say
0: as a as a long term, you know, because I started my career as a call center agent, right, back yeah. in the early nineties as a with a pager company, if that gives you any idea how long ago how long ago <laughs> that was. A timestamp set, um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh uh, you know, the the idea of where where our bodies go as 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 kind of a an uh a response to these things is, is, is pretty fascinating. And I wish I would have realized this, you know, m- much earlier in my career well, because too. I think, it, yeah, <laughs> too. It, it, because, you know, we, we think that it's, yeah. You know, I mean, the, the, the thing to remember is, is it's, it's human. Right. It's not a choice. I mean, somebody jumps out of an alley with a knife and threatens to rob us. That's the same exact biological response as if you get somebody on your phone that threatens to sue the company and I'm going to find you and, you know, that kind of thing. And exactly uh, teaching our, teaching our, our groups to deal with, to, to recognize it. So I think, yeah, you made a great point. Let's talk about how to recognize the signs of stress. And then let's talk about what we can do in the first minute maybe the next hour and maybe the next day on how we can solve that. So what are some of the signs that a manager can look for for an employee that might be uh, overstressed because of, you know, whatever outside factors?
1: Sure. I mean, um, yeah, I think there there can be, and I almost kind of want to turn this back on you and you tell me if you don't want (laughs) to do this, but how... How do you notice that? How can, if you think about how you feel when you're stressed, because I mean, I can, I think there might be some things a manager could notice, but some of this is internal too. Like from an external standpoint, I think you could see someone that maybe doesn't have quite the focus, um, maybe, um, but a lot of this is internal. And so I, I think as much as, um, it would be great if managers could recognize this and encourage it, I think so much happens within our own body that i kind of wonder could we start with what how we could notice it for yourself and i i can share how i'm noticing i i hope i'm on a path to continually learning for myself to identify it quicker and quicker but does something anything come to mind for you
0: oh sure uh, you know the 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 tight chest yeah the elevated blood uh you know and and but that's that's in a very short term right, right. um and what i notice personally in my life too is in the longer term it's how easy it is for me to get aggravated or mm-hmm. frustrated right with the, like the people around me kind of that thing. kind of thing like it's weird when you have that epiphany moment where you look it's like what, am i being a jerk <laughs> i am being a jerk <laughs> like okay what do i know and then you have to you have to turn and look inward and yeah. kind of recognize that and i think you know you you make perhaps the best point you've made in all the time that I've known you is that sure externally from a manager it's not like they can walk around and go oh that person's stressed and that person's not mm-hmm. right because people uh, unfortunately the stigma of stress is that it has gotten to the point where you're supposed to hide it you're right. supposed to you can't show weakness right. and so for me what I would say is a key to kind of eliminating a lot of these problems is empowering your employees to speak up when they feel stressed mm-hmm. or giving them tools to be able to take that step to relieve the stress when they know they're stressed. Cause oftentimes, yeah. I mean, I've worked with people before that if they were to go to their manager and say, I'm stressed, I, I can't do this anymore, they might lose their job. Right. Hopefully yeah, that's, that's not that's a scary, big problem right? in the world anymore. But that, that's the fear a lot of people have is if I show weakness, I'm out the door.
1: Right, right. Well, and I think to take this to another layer and tell me if this is helpful or not, but also, like I was saying before about self-compassion, what this can do in terms of empathy for one another too, recognizing, gosh, if I can be more aware of where I'm at in my body, maybe also over time, especially, I can be more... Thoughtful about where someone else might be. And it kind of depersonalizes things too, right? And, and again, makes it more about the biology, like, gosh, I wonder if someone is feeling triggered and stressed out, and they're just not in the part of their brain to connect with me or communicate with me effectively. So yeah, I think, um, I think, I think you're exactly right. I mean, I, When you said tight chest, I know for me, I, I get tight chest. I can feel kind of like clammy in my palms, feel sometimes a little overheated. Um, some Sometimes that might be, uh, sometimes people feel it more in their stomach. It might feel like butterflies in your stomach, nervous stomach. I know I felt that from time to time, feeling shaky, feeling like tense in your muscles. Um, so yeah, those would be all, all things to... To be aware of. And, and I would, I guess I'd offer for anyone listening that, you know, maybe it's just taking inventory for ourselves, writing a few things that you may notice, um, even after a stressful situation, because as soon as we can get better at identifying that, then we can can get ourselves um, back regulated quicker. And so... <laughs> Um, I can share some things about what may help with that. If yes, that's where you want to go next. Yeah, um, let's,
0: let's, let's talk about it. So, you know, I think one of the things is, you know, let's just, in the scenario, just got off that super stressful call. You just had that really tough conversation with, with a coworker or you know, something like that. What are some things you can kind of do in the short term? Or, sure. what, let's, let's do this. What are some of the things that the, our listeners can teach their employees to do in the short term?
1: Yeah. So a couple of things that come to mind first, um, one is breathing and, and I don't know what comes to mind for you, Dave. When I first kind of started learning more about this, when breathing would come up, I kind of didn't understand. Like I was like, I am breathing (laughs) like I'm breathing. Right. But when I learned why breathing made such an impact, it kind of stuck with me. And so I can share that. I mean, I think there's, there's the short, the, the shallow breathing that we're talking about during a stress response. And that's that, like, we probably ha- all can notice that. But if you, um, and I love thinking about this, I, I have a, we have a five-month-old baby. And if anyone's ever seen babies breathe, it's so sweet. They're little, you see their little tummies go up and down, right? And I don't know where we lose that <laughs> as adults, if we're trying to suck in all the time or what. Right. But, but we're meant to breathe diaphragmatically all the way down to our belly button. And so breathing intentionally, and I, there's tons of resources online on YouTube. There's a mindfulness app that I love called insight timer, and it's, there's tons of free resources on there. So there's lots of different ways to deep breathe. One, I can just share if it's helpful. One, one quick thing. It's something you could do within a minute, um, because that might be all you have, but, um, breathing in for five seconds. And that would be breathing. Like I like to think of it, belly button breathing. So breathing, like if you were to put your hand on your belly button, can you exhale so, um, or excuse me, inhale so deep that you could actually feel your hand move if it was against your belly button. So if you try that, like, and I noticed that, gosh, it's so much deeper than, than we're used to breathing, I think. So breathing in for five seconds. Holding it for five seconds and then exhaling for 10 seconds. I um I think a longer exhale tends to kind of bring us back to that calm state. And if you do that cycle of breath three times, that's 60 seconds. And so, and, and so if you try it, I mean, breathe in, hold for five, and then exhale. For 10 or, or if 10 feels hard, just exhale for as long as you, you can in you, you work up to 10. But that would be one thing I would offer as like the number one thing because we can't feel stressed and relaxed in our body at the same time. And so um, breathing is regulated by our nervous system, but it's also under our conscious control. And so that's that's why we hear a lot about breathing and again, that when I learned that, I was like, "Oh, I get it. That it's it's the language that our body is using to signal that we're safe." Um, and so. And-
0: and that's a fantastic thing. And I think, you know, if I, if I were to get into the minds of the people listening, they would say, yeah, yeah we know this, right? Breathing, oh. duh, right? Right. But hearing right. someone walk through the steps and, uh, let, you know, I think Michelle, maybe you should put out a calming voice video. You have a very calming <laughs> voice that people can oh, listen you. to as well. But, um, one of the things that, I would like to challenge those who are listening to this is if you are in that contact center phase, making sure your employees know that they have the ability to decide to do this on their own and -hmm. that they're not going to get in trouble for it. Um, We're all very conscious on, you know, handle times and talk times and how long it's taking for us to get ready for that next interaction. Um, And if you're giving your employees the autonomy to say, well, I just had a really rough call. If I could have, 60 to 90 seconds to do mm-hmm. my breathing exercises to return to calm, that would be great. So um, it's not just breathing. It's not worrying that someone is going to yell at me mm-hmm. for taking a minute to breathe, right? That's another big part of what we want to encourage to our uh, our people. Because I'm going to read you a an excerpt in a minute from yeah. someone who has hit that freeze response that we've talked about. But yeah. I don't want to get there until we, till we, talk about maybe a couple more, uh, t- uh, tips that might help with the overall stress response.
1: Okay. Yeah. If I was going to share one other tip, any kind of movement would be great. And so, yeah, of course a brisk jog would be great, but that's probably not feasible in the middle of the day. Any kind of exercise we know can be helpful, but any kind of movement, like it could even be taking a stretch, stretching your arms above your head, like that movement can be helpful um, maybe it's just getting up and taking an intentional second to to walk and fill up your water bottle or get something to drink. Just that what that movement does, and it's kind of going back to that stress response cycle. When you're in that that fight or flight, your body wants to make take action to have movement. And so even if the stress is still there signaling to your body that you've, you've let out that energy you've, you've moved can be very helpful. And, and I don't know if you've ever seen like those videos on the animal ch- planet or whatever, um, discovery channel, but sometimes after animals are in like a chase scenario and, and let's say a bunny was chased by a coyote and the bunny gets a away or, um, Animals. You actually. I think actually you mean sneeze- Roadrunner. Oh, Roadrunner. Road yeah, whatever it, it yeah. is. I, mean, I think it's <laughs> a lot of these animals, but they actually shake their body out. I've seen my mm-hmm. dog do that. Like, and so even if it's just doing something, shaking your shaking your hands, shaking your fingers, bringing some doing some shoulder rolls. I mean, I I think just intentionally being aware of like, gosh, I'm in that state, and can I move my body in some way? And it does that. Does not have to take long. Even just like kind of doing that. That's a it's a sigh so there's a breathing component but it kind of shakes some things out and so i guess i just don't think there's an argument that we don't have time to just even do something like standing up and stretching for 5 to 10 seconds i really think that in itself can be a really helpful um a helpful thing to do in between calls and if you're doing it regularly i think it's easier to bring yourself back because arguably you're 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 catching yourself before you're getting so far into that that fight or flight
0: i'll tell you i'll tell you what my secret is and uh everyone is free to use this if you feel like it could help uh mine is air drumming
1: Ooh, I, uh, I love I
0: it put on a pair of headphones crank uh you know some some my favorite music and it, it it's it's weird how you can feel that nervous energy escape your body yeah um, And, and so it doesn't have to be air drumming. It can be dancing. It can be, you know, you know, it's, it's tougher to do in an office environment because nobody (laughs) wants to stand up and do the footloose dance in front of everybody if they had a really stressful call. But, um, another another really good piece of advice for the management is give your employees not only autonomy to make this decision but give them a place to do it. Um, Ooh, I love that you know a lot of places have a gym they can go to, and you know what I, I might go just do five bench press reps and be done right and that just it helps so much and yeah. our goal here is to make sure that the snowball effect of stress response does not lead us to the freeze response. So exactly. let me, let me actually read this to you, M- Michelle, that, um, this is from the internet. One of the call center things that I've read. Uh, so it, uh, my, my dream would be the person who posted this to eventually hear this podcast and then yeah. say that, that I I helped them, but it, this is, li- this is literally titled I'm quitting Monday right? Mm. This is a call center forum. Okay, I can't take this anymore. I used to love my job. Pre-COVID, I had an amazing team, gorgeous campus, and I felt like I had a future. Now I cry every day before I clock in. Mm. I spend my time in after-call work crying, and I have anxiety attacks every single day. I work for a large company, and every other call is about someone dying or needing money with nowhere else to turn. And- And if it's uh, someone that I know or someone that I work with, they make me feel like an idiot. Our escalations team argues with us about taking escalations and my manager only exists to chastise me. Mm
1: -hmm. I hear
0: nothing about the numerous kudos voicemails she gets about me. I thought I would feel guilty that I'm quitting, but I honestly just feel relief. This is someone who's gotten to the freeze response. Mm -hmm. This is someone who has literally just decided that they would much rather quit this job that they used to love because they're not dealing with this level of stress response appropriately. And so um, I know there's not, there's not a lot you can do in real time to kind of uh, deal with the freeze response, especially if you know, like, here they say, Oh, take a vacation, take some time off, go rest, relax, recharge. But if you know you're coming right back into that Mm -hmm. environment, it doesn't help. It doesn't help a lot. So the challenge is how do we, get out of the point where our, the job itself is what's causing the issue. And I know this is not your exact area of expertise. It's a little more of mine. Um, we We need to be able to give our our, our agents, the ability to deal with this appropriately, Mm. but it's also about evaluating our customer base and what we, what we feel is an effective use of our time and customers. Um, I know we hate the, you know, the, the old incorrect adage is the customer's always right. You know, Mm. that is not true at all. And, um, in this day and age, uh, the customer seems to thinking they're getting more and more right and it's actually going the other direction. So, uh, Look through your policies to make sure that you have the ability to effectively deal with this style of customer that's coming through, that's causing these very challenging calls. Um, There's nothing more empowering as an employee when you feel the company has your back in a challenging and stressful situation, and there's nothing more stress-inducing than you getting screamed at, and then the company turns around and tells you you did it wrong and you're now in trouble. And yeah they don't have your back, so um we ultimately want to make sure that you're aware that these types of calls and challenges are happening because it's huge now, we've talked about how to deal with it in the real time. We've talked mm-hmm. about some strategies um we, we one of the things that you and I have also talked about is self care right yeah. It's just taking care of yourself, right if you're a manager listening to this to this episode. How can you take care of yourself? But more importantly, how can you teach your employees to take care of themselves? So what are some things we can potentially do in that area?
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I can tend to think of it. I think we kind of did a good job of, yeah, can you implement some of these things throughout the day? But if this is a job someone's been at for days, weeks, months, and wants to stay at for the long haul, I mean that what you just read to me, David really, Oh, it strikes the chord. I mean, it, I yeah. think of what led up to those feelings of that that freeze state, that disconnection, like the feeling like I just can't do it anymore. That's It's exactly that shutdown place. And so knowing that this is, we want people to be able to stay and do these jobs and feel good for a long time. How can we help to this analogy? I'm sure you've heard it, but just how can we keep our cups full? Like how can we fill ourselves up so we have what we can Give in our everyday life using the call center employee. You know how how can how can people take care of themselves so they feel like when they're coming to work they have the they have some things to give out and they're not feeling so depleted. And so uh, what I'm about to say, it's I'm sure it's nothing new, but I think just being able to look at all this as a another piece to the puzzle. Um, but uh, just a few things, of course, I think sleep. I always go to sleep first, right? I think our culture. We like to say, like, just push through it and keep going. But really, I mean, are we, we need sleep. Um, and, and anyone who's had a new baby or had times of insomnia, I mean, to, to how you feel the day after not getting enough sleep. And if you take that day after day, I mean, it has a real toll. And so, um, just a quick plug about getting good sleep. And as much as we love our cell phones, and I'm guilty of this at times, but research shows us we really shouldn't have blue light um, right before bed. Trying to do things that um, can can calm our senses, maybe reading, lighting a candle, having our our bedrooms feel feel calm when you walk in, and and trying to keep our sleep routines as as um, about the same time going to bed and waking up every day, even on the weekends, maybe only. I'm sure you're doing a great job
0: of that with your five month old right now. (laughs) I mean, I,
1: maybe I'm just in the place. I appreciate sleep more because of that. But, um, (laughs) but so sleep, I can't, I mean, I can't say enough about sleep and then, you know, just, this is the basic needs kind of stuff. Um, hydration. Um, it's easy to when we're go, go, go. We feel like, have you ever had that feeling at your job, Dave, where you're It's four o'clock in the afternoon and you're like, gosh, have I had anything to drink or eat today? I mean, it's easy when we're in that place to not think about what our, our body needs to fuel and feel our best. So eating healthy, nutrient-dense food, um, water, I mean, there's countless studies on just the importance of that. And then I would also just say Finding some time and, and, and I say this, you know, recognizing there's times where it's so busy and and the idea of adding something else to our schedule can feel so overwhelming. And I hear that, um, and, and so when I say things like, of course, we know exercise helps. We know doing things um, that help us to feel connected to friends, family, other people, and feel connected to nature. All these things are really shown, again, with lots and lots of research behind it, that that can help to fill us up, help our self-care. And one thing that I've done for myself, and take this if it's helpful, leave it if it's not, but sometimes I'll even add, like, a li- I like to make to-do list and i'll even add like a checkbox area of things like how much water i drink and taking a walk and um a few even 10 minute things can i meditate or or just be mindful um have a mindfulness practice for 10 minutes and there's something for me about when i can feel like that's on my to-do list it's just as important as as the things I need to do for work or my family, maybe that helps some people. I don't know, but I I do that for myself, and I love the checkbox. It makes me feel so good. I so, know quite
0: a few quite a lot of people that are like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I think, and yeah, not every there's some days you just got to get through the day. I get it, I really do. But I I do think just thinking for yourself, what are the things that really do make you kind of feel like you're in the moment you know being in nature is that those those kind of activities where we can kind of feel like we get into flow i would say trying to have as many moments of that as we can and maybe it's just five minutes a day but i think that does a ton to make us feel like we're in a place to give out and to to feel like we're not depleted and we're not running on empty
0: well i think uh, there's a really important aspect to this when it, when we come to specifically talking about the contact center employee, Mm -hmm. um, and, and what's tough for a lot of people who don't who have never done this style of job, um, you know, take your average office worker, right. An HR representative (laughs) or someone who works in finance or someone who, you know, just uh, at any point in the day, if, if the phone rings and it's your husband and he yells at you for something you did last night and you have that, uh, response. The average, most of the average workers in the world can hang up the phone, sit back and say, okay, I need a minute. All right. Mm -hmm. And, or, you know what, I'm going to take an early lunch or call their boss and say, I got to go home for the rest of the day. And most of those people will not hit any resistance whatsoever yeah but a call center worker never has so a normal worker has dozens of opportunities throughout the day to take a few minutes and react a call center worker is there's always another call there's always another email there's always another text message ready to answer yeah and the challenge here is all of this wonderful stuff that michelle has talked about about self-care and breathing and hydration and sleep it's all wonderful, but none of, it is, none of it is accessible if the managers and the people who are running the contact center aren't bought into the idea that they can do that. And mm-hmm. I can tell you as a, as a former call center agent, I would do anything to get off the phones for an hour, anything. I mean, you literally could give me like math problems from high school that I hated and I'd figure out a way to solve them. And if I got the answer right, you gave me an hour off the phone, I would do it because that's just the, the, the constant weight of the the next, next call, next call, next call has a dramatic and profound. And Mm -hmm. so for those that are listening that want to actively pursue mental health for their employees, you have to find time in their day to give them the ability to do this. Give them an hour off the phone stapling papers. They will do it. They will Mm -hmm. be ready to do it. If you can find an hour off the phone to give them learning and development opportunities, just anything to prevent that next call from hitting their headset for a prescribed amount of time, that can have a dramatic impact. And Mm -hmm. if you, and this is for those of you that know me, you know that I'm a workforce management guy. It's all about staffing. If you don't, if you say to yourself, well, we just don't have the staff to be able to do that. Go find it, Mm -hmm. add people to your roster so that you can, you can build in those activities because we all know that attrition of employees is very expensive. And this, that, that, if that, uh, excerpt that I read to you did not impact you, then you don't get it. There are people in your call center that are feeling that exact way every single day. And if you don't find opportunities for those people to bring themselves back to a normal mental state... You're going to start seeing them leave and they're going to quit and you got to replace them with somebody who doesn't know what they're doing and has to learn and it's going to impact your efficiency and time. So there is a definite return on investment here for mental health, especially within a contact center. So, um, so yeah, we've talked about everything, I think, and sorry for the little bit of a, the little bit of a soapbox moment there at the end of the day. Um, Michelle, uh, I I can't thank you enough. Was there anything else that you had that you feel is just super critical to 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 get into the uh, into the conversation before we sign off?
1: No, I mean I think we covered a lot about of, of a lot of what I was hoping we could talk about. I mean, I guess if I was just to say one last thing, it would just be that this is being able to kind of think about how we're viewing our nervous system, and that it's something we're going to keep learning about, just like. A friendship with somebody, you're going to keep investing in that. And and I just, this is just like a habit. The more I think we're able to check in with ourselves and become familiar with our own patterns and our own signs and cues. I just, I, I would just encourage that. And if it can be looked at in a way of a lens of curiosity and and being patient with ourselves and self-compassion, I mean, I, I just would offer that because I think that's a nice view for all of this.
0: I absolutely agree. And uh, we cannot thank you enough here at Colabio for spending some time with us and giving your professional insight, giving us lots of wonderful things to think about. It really is an under, uh, under-discussed topic, mm-hmm. uh, in, in, especially given the events of the previous 18 months or so. And hopefully I, nobody's listening to this podcast like four years later and f- wondering what we're talking about. <laughs> but if you are yeah. wondering, we're talking about the COVID lockdowns and things like that, as we're hopefully on the tail end of that as, uh, as, as it kind of comes to fruition here but um, Michelle from, from me uh, thank you so much for spending some time with us I really do appreciate it for those of you that are listening um, make sure to check out Michelle's podcast uh, Enthusiasm Diaries uh, you can find it on pretty much any podcasting uh, network that's out there I do highly encourage it I've listened to several of the episodes and it's they're, they're very uh, engaging and really enjoy them but uh, Michelle thank you so much uh, we really really appreciate it. Uh, and, uh, we hope that you, uh, maybe can join us again sometime to talk about yeah. uh, the future, future issues that might crop up.
1: Yeah, I'd love it. This was really fun, Dave, and thanks for opening up this really important conversation. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. So from us at Calabrio and on behalf of Michelle, thank you guys for listening. And uh, we, will, uh, we will certainly see you on the next episode and otherwise uh, keep going out there and keep trying to impact the mental health of your employees and really give a positive experience. Let's turn this into a positive workplace and not a negative one. All right. From Calabrio, my name is Dave Hookstra. Thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you on the next episode.